It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast, presented by Fetch Me. Visit fetchmedelivery.com or the free Fetch Me app and use promo code FetchMe20, FetchMe20 at checkout for your first delivery free. Zach Blackerby, Painter Sharpless, and Michael Pappas here with you from Palatial Studio A at the Auburn Network Family of Stations. Painter, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Michael, hello. Hello, how are you? Good, man. Good. I'm excited, guys. I've got a um, we've got an announcement. We're going to kind of break it in today. But the Locked On Auburn podcast now has a voicemail system. So we have another way to integrate and kind of take phone calls. So we're excited about that. And your number for that, and I'll put it in the podcast notes. However, you're listening, you'll see it. Just go to the episode description. But 205-502-4285. That's 205-502-4285. 4285 and I put it out on Twitter yesterday guys but we got some um some folks that uh we're going to we're going to answer their questions so uh, I feel like this was a good one to start with Hey this is Jim from Opelika I was just wondering why you don't have that Michael Pappas guy on more he seems to be really smart probably really good looking also thanks love the show I feel like that's not Jim from Opelika I feel like we know who that is. Jim from Opelika sounds very familiar. He sounds a little nasally, but almost like he's the guy sitting directly to my left. Michael, is that you? Uh, yes. Zach asked me to uh, make sure the phone line, the, the new Don't phone number is working. So I decided to call in and give myself some praise. If, if you're not your biggest... Uh, your biggest supporter. Yeah, fan. there it is. I was about to say critic, and I was like, "That's the opposite." If if I'm not my biggest fan, then then who is going to be? Yeah, no one's going to toot your. But besides own horn. my mom, man, my mom's pretty harsh. All right, all right. Let's listen to another one. Hey, uh, just wanted to give you guys a call and uh, get your opinion on what you think the outcome of the Florida game would have been had it been on a neutral site or even at home. Um, and then also, how do you think? that result will be when we travel to LSU and play in Death Valley. Thanks. I think Auburn has a much better chance to win if it's not on the road. I think it's clear that it mm-hmm. rattled Bo Nix and that affected the offense and their ability to communicate. I think if it's in a neutral site, uh, Auburn has a tendency to out-fan, out-attendance the other um, Yeah, Auburn travels the other well. Team. Yeah, and so 
I don't think, and even if it's close to even, the, the volume's not as intense as it was in the Swamp. And I think that really rattled Bo. So if, if you told me, if somebody wanted to say that Auburn would win if they weren't on the road against Florida, I would buy it. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I could see that, uh, certainly. I could see it at home or at a neutral site. I will say, though, I think it was good in a roundabout way, in a weird way. Bo Nix needed, I think, to have a moment, unfortunately, where he failed. And uh, you would have preferred an Auburn fan, you know, as an Auburn fan, they wanted to see him have a good game. But I think uh, he he had to have this, unfortunately. And I don't think we're As far gonna, as his maturation as a quarterback? I, I do think, generally, that going through something like that kind of getting embarrassed a little bit is ultimately going to be good for him in the long run. And I think he will be much better in Baton Rouge, but I still think it's going to be a tough setting for him. At least it appears LSU's defense is not going to be as stout as Florida's. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think uh, it especially helps with the uh, LSU game not being at night in Death Valley. Uh, that game has been slated for the 2:30 game, if I'm not mistaken, on CBS, and so uh, I do think that that one should go better. Um, Florida's two best defensive players, Zaniga and Grenard, both out with injuries during that LSU game, mm-hmm. and Florida couldn't stop the run at all, which you know we've seen has been a strength of this Auburn defense. I think Auburn actually matches up pretty well. LSU's defense rather hit or miss, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, as far as comparing the Florida game to the LSU game, I mean, it's just going to be a much worse situation. LSU is better. Mm-hmm. Baton Rouge is a tougher place to win than the Swamp. Is it? Yes. I, I think they're about comparable. I, I mean, okay. I, it's... I guess probably nitpicking, but I, I don't think there's a huge significant I, I think the Swamp difference. got a bump because that was like their biggest game there in years. That and may be true. Um, so I think they're a little more rowdy than they typically are. And so maybe a very a rowdier Swamp is on par with uh, a, an average SEC hyped-up game in Baton Rouge. Yeah, and I think there's also a big difference when you've got you know the whole week leading up to the game. Most of the national media is saying they think Auburn's going to come in and win. And I think that definitely gives fans a sure. reason to, you know, get rowdy, try to support their team and, and just the way them that they, win. The, it's going to be the opposite in Baton Rouge. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Okay. Yeah, I, I think you're right because they're going to be told, you know, LSU is going to be able to take care of Auburn. Yep. Right. Yeah. And just the way that the Florida game unfolded, I mean, a, a big play right out of the gate, you know, mm-hmm. a three-yard pass or whatever that turns into, you know, a long run for a score. And then as a fan base, you've got the lead the whole time. Yep. And so when, when you're the home team, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be loud. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Yep. So. Florida fans had a lot to cheer for in that game. I think that was a great question. I, I think that Auburn does a lot better if that game isn't in Gainesville. And there was a lot about it that set up nicely to get the crowd behind them. 
But I think ultimately, in a weird way, was good for Knicks. All right. The, uh, I think this one kind of continues our conversation. Here's uh, here's another one. And once again, the Locked on Auburn voicemail. You can reach us at, oh my gosh, got to pull it up again, 205-502-4285. Here's another one. Hey, guys, love the podcast. What is the one thing Auburn needs to really improve on to get ready for LSU against Arkansas? It seems to me the passing game needs to get better, but that's just my opinion. Thanks. And I, and I think the caller here was, was referring to Auburn's passing game, but my answer is defending the pass. And I don't know if you can emulate. I actually know for a fact you can't emulate what Joe Burrow is doing for LSU right now. So I think my answer to this is buckle down against Arkansas's passing game, but, I mean, it's it's just two totally different beasts when you talk about the passing game of Arkansas for the passing game of, of LSU. I'm not as concerned about Auburn defensively. Uh, I don't – I mean, obviously LSU will not have faced a defensive line as good as Auburn's. I think Auburn's going to be able to continue what they've been doing – being dominant on the defensive line. And I think they're going to be much more successful stopping the run than uh, Florida was. I mean, even in that Florida game on that long run, KJ Britt was right in that hole to make that tackle. I mean, they had that play defended very well. Unfortunately, you know, he missed what we think is his first tackle of the season. And it ends up being just a ferociously long run that kind of seals the game there for Florida. But for me, it's got to be the offensive line because the offensive line is going to have to get some movement against this LSU defensive line. And quite frankly, you know, obviously they have good players, they have good athletes, but this LSU defense has really not been all that great. Uh, They let up 31 to Vanderbilt. They let up 45 to Texas. I mean, they let up 28 to So what does Auburn need to do in the game against Arkansas to improve for LSU. So so what is that? You mentioned the unit. Yeah. So what does the unit need to do? I think they need to get confidence. They need to come out. I mean, they know that, you know, the onus is on them really in this game. They're going to have to make the running backs look good. And I've been watching some film on Arkansas, and those guys get pushed out of gaps a lot. And mm-hmm. so um, I'm looking for the offensive line to, you know, maybe not come out and just dominate, but – play very well, look a lot better than they did against Florida, and build that confidence going into a much tougher road environment in LSU. All right, I'm going passing defense. Michael, you're going offensive line. Painter, where are you at to the answer to this question? I think that I'm not super down on the pass defense. However, they're going to face two exceedingly good passing teams against LSU and Alabama. So I, I think for me that is a concern in two games, but what's a bigger concern for me is the offensive line and their consistency, especially against really good competition. Now they might be in a good place against LSU and Alabama. They might be able to actually push around. I don't even know about push around, but but I, I don't think that those two defenses to this point have been what we've seen in the past. So overall, my answer would be the offensive line, especially against good competition. I think for those two games that Auburn has to have, LSU and Alabama, it makes a lot of sense. But ultimately, I'm going to go with the offensive line in this case. All right, we got one more voicemail. And hopefully uh, hopefully we, we get that flooded for, uh, for upcoming shows. But uh, all right, this one's about running backs. Um, hey, guys. Love the podcast. Uh, I have a question. Who the hell are we going to play at running back this week? Thanks. Great question. DJ Williams, I think, benefits the most. Michael, I think I know your answer 
and I understand where you're coming from. I think that Cam Martin and um, Sean Shivers both have an opportunity to see their carries go up. I think that will happen, but I think with what he can do, the way coaches and players have talked about him, the way his body looks, the confidence they seem to have had in the freshman, I really expect D.J. Williams to get a lot of touches. And I think when you're going from essentially zero touches to maybe five to 12 a game, that's a pretty exponential jump. To be frank, I don't think they know. Um, I think, you know, obviously you can, you're going to see Cam Martin get more touches. I think he's going to be listed as the starting running back. He'll be the first running back on the field. Um, I think you'll see Sean Shiver's touches go up. Uh, I'm much more interested in the next, two guys, DJ Williams and, and Harold Joyner, really. Um, we've seen that they like Harold Joyner. We've seen I don't think Harold he's not a, a he's not a factor in running the ball. Game. Yeah, he, they're not using him in that position. So, like, I think that Auburn, you're not but, the only person that wants to see that, but you're not going he's to. He's an athletic freak. It'd be interesting to see. I, I don't, just don't think it's going to he, happen. He's not, he, but he's not even – it's not like a question. He's not practicing at the position. So, it's important. Like, it's – he may get the ball, but it's not going to be what DJ Williams, Cam Martin, or Sean Shivers are doing. This is not a debate. Okay. I, I don't want... Are there I, other people you want to list? <laughs> I, no. That, that is something that I hear a lot of Auburn fans saying, and so I know they're going to be tweeting about it angrily. Well, that's kind of But my it's thing. not going to happen. But, and, and, that kind of came out like rude to Michael. No, no. And I don't want it. But like on, on Saturday when you're, Auburn... You're seeing it all over the place. When though. Auburn's winning and they're like, where's Harold Joyner? It's not... They can be up by one touchdown or by three. It's he's like, not might, playing he, that position. Right. It's like, why is Seth Williams not playing running back? It's like Because he's not a running back. That's not what he's doing. Okay. I was under the impression that Harold Joyner was a running back that they... Because most of the time when he's getting the ball, he's coming from the running back position, whether it's on a wheel or a screen or something. So I my my thinking was that when the starter goes down, they're just looking for someone mm. else to hand the ball. And and you know I didn't necessarily expect him to step up and become the starter, right, but right. you know at least testing him out, seeing can he be effective running the ball. I'm wrong. I recognize. No, well, I'm wrong. That came, so, so, that came across toward you, but like, yeah, we just pooped all over. No, you. it's just important for people listening to know, like you can save yourself a real headache on Saturday by knowing he's yeah. not an option. Okay. I think JJ Wilson is more likely of an option to receive handoffs than Harold Joyner is. And if I'm wrong about that come Monday, I will happily eat crow. Cause I know that that is a guy that a lot of people are excited about because of his athleticism and his size. I get it. But that's kind of my thing is, you know, a lot of Auburn fans look at Malzahn and any kind of situation that pops up as, okay, this has the potential to be exciting. And so it's like, okay, does, does DJ Williams, you know, the unknown hot commodity, you know, what can he do? It'll be fun to see him or something like Harold Joyner. Or maybe some other guy. Maybe maybe Sean Shiver's getting more. But when you look at the history of Gus Malzahn at running back and in situations like this, he's going with the more boring and safe option. Yeah, and, he, and that is Cam Martin. He's going with the experience. And so there's something you said since I'm apparently just pooping on Michael now. <laughs> Keep that it going. You, you you mentioned that they they may not know, and I get that that line of logic, like ride the hot hand, right, mm-hmm. and, and like give them all opportunities. But I feel like at this point they have to know what Cam Martin's strengths and weaknesses are, and they tried to make him yep. a guy that can get the ball on second and third downs last year. So like that's where I don't see him. He just can't do what it was they were asking Booby Whitlow to do effectively. And I don't think that they particularly trust Shivers. So you may be right to an extent that they're not totally sure what this role will look like, but almost by default I think it puts DJ, the ball in D.J. Williams' court. 
And I think the bummer about this is, because, Michael, I like how you worded that, though, and Painter's follow-up of them not knowing. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. The bummer about this is I think whoever they put in is going to be able to run the ball against Arkansas. This is a weird... This is a weird time to test this, right? Because you're playing a really bad team. And then even though LSU's defense isn't what we're accustomed to statistically. They're better than Arkansas. The athletes on that field are not comparable. They're going to be NFL players next year like on a roster that are on LSU's team. I, I don't know if you can say that with Arkansas. Yeah, I'm sure they've got a few guys. But anyway, keep going, Michael. Uh, or did we just totally mess up no. your juju? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think I did. Uh, uh, one last guy. I think we have to look at is Malik Miller. Um, We saw really, I think, a little bit with Cameron Artis Payne, not as much, and then definitely with Cam Petway, a guy who, you know, people didn't really think was going to be a primary ball carrier who could, you know, get into the line, find the hole, break a tackle or two, and and Gus really liked that. He trusts Malik Miller with the ball in his hand. This is like – This is most – Gus Malzahn possibility. <laughs> I'm talking about most boring thing, yeah. like Cam Martin. Like, no, you're right. Malik Miller is a more boring option than Cam uh, Martin is. When and when I say just to clarify, when I say they don't know, I, I I do agree with you. They know, you know, for the most part, they know these guys' strengths and weaknesses and everything. But I just mean like I don't think they know what the carries are going to look like. Yeah, because they could have a game plan to, to work to Cam Martin and Sean Chavers' strengths and it just not be working out and Gus be like, you know, screw it. We have to run the ball. Give it to DJ Williams. Give it to Malik Miller. Give it yeah. to, you know, whomever. And, you know, maybe they start out pounding DJ Williams. He's doing really well and he ends up with 25 carries. Who knows? I think they are going to run the ball a lot in this game. I think there's a real possibility that they try to tighten up some of their base stuff before getting in. It's a road environment. Yeah albeit not, again, comparable to what you'll face the following week. But they really had some trouble, especially in, in Gainesville where it was loud when they were substituting or checking. I think they had a really difficult time getting some of the basic stuff down pat. This is a good time to do that. And they have to get the offensive line confident. Yeah. They and have that, to. Yeah, and, and, you know, we had just had the conversation about – and, like, I really get where you're coming from, Zach, because LSU and Alabama's passing attacks are so good, and Auburn has been suspect, especially in big moments. I mean, I think that's definitely been the weakness of this defense is the passing game. Yeah, but like to me, that's an issue in two games. I think against good competition, you've seen pretty consistently that the offensive line has looked good against average competition and has looked underwhelming against good competition. I just think Auburn is going to see three relevant passing games all year, and... We saw Herbert move the football against them, obviously, in the Oregon game in the opener. And I think the other two are about to, you know, they're coming up. I think one is Joe Burrow, obviously, as we've discussed, and the other is Tua. You know, and I think that's kind of it. And I think those guys have a chance to pass against this defense. Because, I mean, I was talking with somebody over the week. I mean, most college quarterbacks can't throw the football. Like, they're just not accurate. That's just part of it. Mm-hmm. And that's why the ones that can, like, the NFL can't find 32 people on the whole planet that can play quarterback <laughs> at a high level. I mean, think about it. I mean, it's just yeah. they're not out there. And so 
I mean, Auburn's not the only one that's going to have a hard time covering passes against these guys because it's hard to do. And so I, I just think that's going to be a very big issue because it nobody else has gotten anywhere close to being able to cover Joe Burrow down the road. And so, I mean, as far as being able to use Arkansas to get better for LSU, I don't know if that's necessarily the right avenue. It may be just like, hey, Bo Nick, get more comfortable on the road. Mm-hmm. But once again, like that's not comparable from Arkansas and Fayetteville to you know yeah. to Baton Rouge. Like you can't compare those two things either. Uh, it's just we the, one of the things you know. Like you talk, we also haven't really seen anyone put a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow or Tua. Um, I mean, or really from I guess if you want to go there too. South Carolina did. Yeah, and we saw how that turned out for him. Right. And so it's it's basically. Nick Starkle's a good quarterback. He's got a good arm. He's not an elite quarterback. If they if if he's got time in the pocket to throw the ball, he can complete passes. Uh, again, like we're talking about, the, the Auburn defensive line is so good that it's, you know, he shouldn't have time to throw. And then when Auburn mixes in blitzes, he really shouldn't have time to throw. And so it's, yeah, I, I agree with you. You want the team to get better, but how much better can, can your – pass defense get when they're not really going to get tested down the field very much because it certainly doesn't seem like Starkle is going to have time to throw the ball or Hicks, whoever they decide to put in. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. All right. Staying on the topic of running backs, we got an email. You can email the show at lockedonauburn at gmail.com. Lots of ways to get on the show. Right. There's no excuse. If you want to interact with us, because I got a few complaints, like I'm not a Twitter person. That's fine. Send you have email. email. Oh, you don't have an email? We call got us. you. Call we us. got you. You got a landline? <laughs> Give us a call. Yeah, it even answers the landlines. I mean, what? Pages. No, I'm just kidding. Don't right. pages. Yeah. We, don't I, we won't get it. What's a pager? I don't know what a pager is. All right, Johnny emails us. Uh, first few uh, paragraphs talk about how great the show is. Shout out to Johnny. Glad you like the show. Paragraphs. Wow. Uh, this is a long email. And he talks about it. He's like, I'm so sorry how long this email is. <laughs> but I'm going to read some of it. For the Texas A&M game, Coach Malzahn used multiple running backs in the first half and saved Whitlow for the second half. I like the strategy of keeping the lead back fresh for the end when the opposing defense is tiring. With a full contingent of healthy receivers in the Mississippi State game, Malzahn spread the opportunities for multiple players to touch the ball. Having Williams and Schwartz on the field at the same time causes the defense to think and split their focus. Williams can catch anything that comes near him, and Schwartz can outrun everyone. Those two deep threats open opportunities for Stove and Hastings. These four players are all proven and reliable commodities in the passing game. Okay, I think we all agree with that. If I'm not mistaken, using dual-threat Gatewood in short yardage situations was successful in the five games prior to Florida. In summary, there is a running game strategy that rotates multiple running backs in and saves the workhorse for last. There are multiple threats for the passing game in short and long distances, and there are short yardage solutions that the defense can't predict or may not can stop. So my question is, in the Florida game, why did Coach Malzahn not employ the offensive strategies of the two previous games? Based on everyone's commentaries about the Florida game, Malzahn underutilized his offensive options using only 18 players. I understand the offensive line is limited in what it can do. I understand Nick's is a freshman, and I expect freshman mistakes from him. I understand this was Malzahn's first time coaching in the swamp. I understand the perfection is not the goal. Our defense was very close to achieving perfection, though. But, uh, yeah, it kind of keeps going on. But uh, I think that's kind of the thing that most people are so frustrated with yep. is why would you go away from what was working so well? And I don't know if he has addressed that. I mean, I think he just kind of said that, like, well, yeah, should have done that. Yeah. Like that's kind of what I've heard him say. From what I've heard, he's 
basically the I know he's commented on the the Schwartz and Williams thing and been like, yeah, that was my mistake. Like I messed up. Uh, part of me thinks he just overthought it. Um, I think he just gets in so much of a flow, and he just kind of wants to call the next play, call the next play, yeah. and maybe he doesn't think enough about it. I, I'm not sure. The Schwartz thing really bugs me because. For fans, I think fans are a little short-sighted sometimes when they say, why isn't a coach doing this? Why are they not throwing the ball over the middle of the field? Why are they not running this play? Well, the coach is in the position. Not all coaches are good coaches, but they are all on this in this position because they, they get the basics more than we do, I assure yeah. you. And so sometimes they're just taking that away from you. But I think when you have a player like Schwartz that is truly, we're talking about the fastest player in the sport, you have got, I don't care if, if they are triple teaming him, someone else is open. That is an oversimplification. Yeah. And I think Todd Grantham did an excellent job of of keeping Schwartz under wraps while also not overcommitting. Mississippi State did that at times and it got them into trouble. And part of that's probably a product of Florida having just better athletes and being better coached. But when you have an advantage that is that great, it's inexcusable in my mind to only get the ball to him one time. And I, they didn't run a lot of plays. It cut into some of the opportunities. I think that's why you didn't see Joyner at times. I think that's why you didn't see um, Schwartz getting the, like, the opportunities Auburn fans wanted. They just didn't get, I think, what they run 62 plays in that game against Florida. So, like, there were things they left on the table because they'd like to run 80 plays a game. But he, I, I think at some point when you're halfway through the season – and Schwartz and Seth Williams have played for you know their freshman season, you just have to say, we are going to put the ball in the most talented players' hands, even if it forces them to make a play, even if it's putting them in a position that's not the best. Because I don't think Coach Malzahn always schemes to take advantage of mismatches. But I think when you've got the best player, or at least the fastest player, you can't just forget about him. And to that note, I do think Gus does a little bit. Is we'll see at the beginning of games, he'll run something and it won't work, and then he's like, "Well, that didn't work. We're not doing that again." Which, you know, I don't know how uh, how much it translates or, or what the strategy is behind that. Well, he does it in for my some mind, things, and then other things he'll do a million times when it's yeah. not working. Yeah, but for some stuff like some of the inside zone stuff, you have to do because he's trying to establish the run game. But like Schwartz had one touch in the Florida game, and it was like on the first drive on a jet sweep, he got zero yards, and then they didn't do it anymore. And so it's just I don't really know. And also, just one thing that you know, the four guys that he mentioned in the receiving core, you know, one way to get all those guys more playing time and more touches is to just never play Sal Canella. Would you be okay with that? Perfectly okay. He's your favorite player on the team. Absolutely. I learned something about him the other day that I thought was interesting. He's apparently an apparel design major. Apparel design. Is that a major? I think Riley told me that. Apparel merchandising? Maybe. I was told apparel design, but they may have misspoke. Wouldn't apparel design be like fashion design? No, I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that's exactly what it is. I think that's why it's interesting. I've only known one person to have done something similar. He has a clothing line now and a very creative guy. He's on the women's basketball scout team. And he was like shorter than me and could easily dunk. It was, and I know it's a pretty athletic dude. Most of you can't see me, but I'm short and he was shorter than me and he had no issue dunking. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Painter, you're not short. Average height. 
I would say a little short, but the the more the the main point here is this guy was at least five eight or shorter and could dunk a basketball with relative ease. Yeah, his bio on AuburnTigers.com just says human sciences, but the person who told me that his mother is the dean of human sciences, so mm-hmm. I trust that source. I uh, no, I, I it, it is not the uh, I guess the the name of the major is what was causing me a little pause there. I understand. Not, yeah. Painter, where can people find you and hear you, friend? At Paint Sharpless Love it. on Twitter. And, of course, the lunch break from 11 to 1 on ESPN 106.7. Miguel? <laughs> uh, follow me on Twitter, at Couch Potato. I'll be on the lunch break with Painter on Friday. Fantastic. I'll be on the lunch break with Painter on Friday as well. It's going to be a party. Oh, you're be- saying there's going to be a dream team. Yes. Lunch break on Friday. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Let it go yeah. again. What I'm, that's, what I, that's exactly what I'm saying. Well, I'm definitely going to tune in. Also, on tomorrow's edition of the Locked On Auburn podcast, we will chat with Voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Bertram. Oh. We'll, looking forward to that. Also, be sure to call the voicemail. Mention the number several times throughout. And you can also email us at LockedOnAuburn at gmail.com. You can tweet at me at Z Blackerby. You can tweet the show at Locked On Auburn. And this has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn podcast. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.